Hey guys, welcome to Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna. And today, like always, we got a special guest. A really good special guest. Um, we have Jeff Shubb. Uh, he's a holistic sustainability advisor who travels the world helping individuals and companies become bulletproof by discovering app opportunities to substitute short-term gain for long-term investments in mind, body, and business. Not only is Jeff a coach or an advisor, he's also a student of his own method. He felt so strongly that the current healthcare model was not designed for sustainability throughout his medical training that he made the unpopular decision to leave and join a consulting firm to build out a model for healthcare culture transformation. Yep. And he, as he states, I can't be part, I can be part of an industry whose practices are not offering real long-term value for people, but it doesn't mean I can't work to change it. Jeff, uh, Jeff built a holistic podiatry practice from the ground up, creating a wellness-based business model not seen in podiatry. Uh, you can find him on his social media platform, The Urban Barefoot, spreading the sustainability message around the world. He's a traveling speaker, consultant, coach, working with companies of all sizes, with high-performing executives and business owners on everything from business strategy to running technique. Uh, when Jeff isn't working or traveling, you can find him moving or learning about human movement. He's proving that his dream is to move like a monkey one day so he can make it to American Ninja Warrior. My man, Jeff, uh, welcome to Connect and Move Radio. Hey, Andy, thank you so much for having me. Um, I can't believe you actually read that entire bio, but I appreciate it. Thank you so much. No problem. I mean, it, I was trying to cut some things out. I was like, this is too good to cut out. So I'm <laughs> sorry if I butchered some things. Uh, listeners, if I butchered anything, I apologize. You already know. Um, but yeah, Jeff, I'm excited to have you on here. Yeah, thank you. You know, I consider myself young, but this, uh, that bio makes me sound like I'm old and I guess, you know, 30 can go either way. It's kind of like the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the fence. Fair, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, so I actually had the opportunity to meet, uh, Jeff through social media. We kind of, you know, uh, he found me or I found him. I don't know what happened, but we were able to kind of meet up. And then, uh, I was like, you know, I gotta get this guy, uh, on the podcast. It's been a while since I've done a podcast and it's a good one, uh, to start off with, um, someone like Jeff. So Jeff, can you, can you tell us a little bit more on your background? You went to medical school and you kind of didn't see it fitting to the mindset and the kind of approach that you wanted to. And then you kind of uh, jump ship and kind of pivoted and did something different. Just uh, kind of give us a little bit more background off of that. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I've always been really curious and fascinated by the human body. And, you know, as early as, you know, I think middle or high school, I took a, an anatomy class and I thought to myself, you know, this is, this is amazing. Um, I need to, you know, sort of, I think that this is going to be my life, my life's work. Uh, so being that I have uh, a lot of doctors, in my family, I love the human body, science came pretty easy. I said, you know, this is this is this is what I have to do. And it's funny, because when I started uh, undergrad, you know, as a sort of pre med person, you either pick biology or chemistry or physics, and you do your pre med requirements, and then you go to med school, but I started in chemistry. And I found out really quickly that it was not applicable whatsoever to, to, you know, a medical training. So I looked around at the curriculum and I decided uh, to actually go down the exercise physiology and exercise science route because I, I, I noticed that it was all anatomy, physiology, cellular biology. It was all about the human. And I actually even got the opportunity to do uh, anatomy, like a dissection lab in college, which helped immensely in uh, the first few months of medical school, because where people were going into the anatomy lab and kind of freaking out because they didn't know <laughs> what to do to, to open up a, a, you know, a deceased body, I was really comfortable with it. And that was actually my favorite part of medical school, um, you know, which is normal human function, uh, how the, how the, how the body is supposed to function. And then eventually you start getting into pathology, right? You start going into the different organ systems and you start, they start trying to divide everything and make it seem like, 
you know, very simple and you, you know, you have a problem with your pulmonary system, you know, you use this medication and that surgery and the other thing. And that's where I started to really tune out because I knew better. Um, and I knew that, that, that it didn't, it just didn't feel right. It didn't sound right. And that's when it all started to sort of fall apart for me because where I thought medicine, you know, conventional medicine was going to be my career. I, I realized that it totally clashed or did not align with my view of what health meant and it you know it got so bad that i decided that um medicine wasn't the right path for me and it took a lot of uh what us miami people would call cojones to uh to 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 leave um and it was a scary it was a scary time for me because you know the only real source of human stress is is uncertainty at the core and um as a medical professional in training, you only learn medicine. So to, uh, to have to figure out where life is going next is, uh, is kind of scary. It was really scary. Mm -hmm. And, um, I actually, uh, put up a post about it, uh, today, uh, about that whole process. And, you know, I really just started to, uh, look for people in my life who had pivoted uh, heavily in their careers. And I just started to ask questions. And eventually I had a, I had a lunch meeting with a, a friend who had gone from uh, the legal world um, into consulting, which at that time, I didn't even know what the hell that meant. And I think most people still don't know what consulting <laughs> actually means. It's sort of ubiquitous term of uh, we help, you know, you help a person or a company do something different. Right. Um, and so being that I had no idea what that meant. And I had been told once upon a time that you should never take a job that you're qualified for. I said, let's do it. And, um, it was, uh, yeah, I can't be, I couldn't be more grateful for the, you know, the sort of serendipitous, uh, occurrence of joining this group because it is one of the most incredible consulting firms that I've seen now knowing what I know and having the experience of being in consulting for a couple of years, owning my own business and medical practice for a couple of years, and now actually going, coming full circle and coming back, uh, doing work for the consulting firm. I'm actually right now in their, in the office, I come here on a regular basis and helping to continue to build out their, um, their solutions, uh, for not only healthcare businesses, but you know, the, the community as a whole. And, um, yeah, I mean that's a short, a long answer to a, <laughs> a short question. Short question but, um, uh, no, that's that's perfect. So you went through medical school. You liked for the most part the idea of what the, it presented, but once you went in, you're like, all right, it wasn't it wasn't as as I thought it would be. And then you made like I don't I don't I wonder if, if some medical students go into this route and because they're so you know, they invested loans, they invested in time, um, they invested in prereqs. Um, I wonder how many medical students feel that way. And then at that point, they're like, well, I just got to finish and then hope that I can kind of do something good out of this. Um, so, so would, would so, you say there's... So, go ahead. To answer uh, the first part, um, the, it's funny because growing up, my dad, my dad's a physician and growing up, I noticed in him and I adopted in myself um, to take a very minimalist approach to healthcare. You know, if, you know, not taking pills, not taking antibiotics, not, you know, not participating really in the, in the classical healthcare system, right? I had my dad there. So if anything bad happened, he would take care of it. And he is actually emergency medicine trained. So, mm -hmm. you know, those, I think, those are like the real, real doctors, right? Something bad happens in, in the moment they take care of it. I always say that healthcare is really good at treating acute problems, mm -hmm. right? Like you get in a car accident, you have a heart attack, you have a stroke. Medicine is amazing for that. Yeah, reactive. Uh, when, it comes to, when it comes to chronic care, um, they, they fail heavily. Um, and then uh, to the, the second part is um, you don't know how, I can't tell you how many, how many people have come up to me and said, you know, people who are in, in, in medicine or in training said, I can't believe you had the guts to do what you did. Right. I can't believe that. Like I, I would love to explore that, but I just can't. 
right? So, and it's kind of sad because like, for, you know, based on what I said earlier that in medical training, you only learn medicine. Um, you can't apply the knowledge really to many other places. So your, your options are extremely limited. You know, you go get a law degree and you learn the rules of, of the game of life. You can literally apply that to any business. You're an asset to any company. Uh, when you are a doctor, you're really very, very limited. The, some of the jobs that I see uh, coming up are in really in the pharma world. So basically you just become like a spokesperson for a pharma company, which actually pays really well. But again, you know, you're part of this really ugly system, ugly uh, industry. And then the other one is um, uh, so a lot of a lot of uh, private equity or hedge funds um, that deal in in healthcare business in the healthcare industry are looking for physicians to do a lot of the data analysis uh, research and analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot, but you know, I see the post coming all the time. There's actually a group called uh, the Dropout Club, mm-hmm. which is for medical professionals who want to pivot and. You know, all, every time I see a post, it's like, yeah, we want someone with an MD degree, but then we also want someone with at least five years experience in buy side, uh, finance, you know, finance. And it's like, oh, we're going to get that. Not, yeah. Like who's going <laughs> to, that's going to be a tough one to find. Right. So uh, not only did you have a tough decision to leave something you were already invested in, but you kind of had technically the pressure of like family, right? Like saying, or having that pressure that you had doctors already in your family, you're already going this route. So how would it be like, okay, am I going to be the, the black sheep of the family kind of jumping off ship? Was that like a, an issue or was it easier because your dad already was like more forward thinking or tell us a little bit more about that. So it's not, not only was it an issue, then it's still an issue today. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it creates a, a quite a bit of friction, um, between my family. My family is very, very conventional, uh, conservative bubble sort of family, you know, um, and I have, I have two grandmothers who are both Jewish and Cuban, which means that they are extremely conservative and really like, don't understand the, the big picture. Although they're starting to see a little bit, but I'll give you, I'll give you a funny story. Um, one of my grandmothers came into the medical practice that I, that I owned and cause she had a, she had a foot issue. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, this is where all this like barefoot stuff comes in. Well, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. Yes. But it was a podiatry practice. So she had a foot issue and she comes in and I, I bring her into my, into my office to, you know, while, while she had to wait to, to be seen. And she looks at me, she goes, what do you do here? And I tried to explain to her, you know, I do the marketing, I do the, you know, all the HR stuff. I do the finance work. I, I sort of set the strategy for the future of the company. And, you know, I'm the, I'm the reason that this company looks and feels the way it does today. And she, she's just like, she looks at me still confused. She goes, you should go back to medical school. And I'm like, you know, I just, I kind of just smile and, and, and try to just show love mm-hmm. because, you know, I just, I, I know that I'm, me getting into a fight is not going with her is not going to solve anything. It's not going to change anything. Um, you know, I always say that, that people, anyone can, can only really, um, convince themselves of, of something. Mm-hmm. So you just have to act with love and, and, and kindness mm-hmm. and yeah. And just let the, you know, sort of help them figure it out on their own and, do it through love because once once someone knows that you that you love them and that you care about them then they understand that anything that you do is for in their best interest mm-hmm. right and because you care so so yeah it, lots lots of friction um lots of unhappiness from my parents actually one of the strategies um and they're probably gonna listen to this eventually so this is probably gonna be the first time they hear this but I just, you know, I, you can go back to medicine. Like I graduated from medical school and I could, I, I skipped the internship and residency and you could always go back and apply. Um, and I told them like, I'm, I want to go out in the world. I want to see what it's like. I want to spend a year or two out and then I'll probably go back. Mm-hmm. And, and that was mostly to, to just make sure that they were, you know, to give them some peace of mind. Um, but it was, I did slightly consider it. So it's not, it wasn't all just, you know, that but yeah tons of friction really really unhappy uh 
family. Yeah, I'm sure that that's <laughs> that's that's a, a tough. But then they, I mean, you seem really really passionate with, with uh, of what you do and stuff that you talk about and the message that you preach. I mean, and we're gonna go back because you said uh, something very very interesting, something that I I talk about all the time, and something that um, I think explaining here would probably be a little bit better too, especially with your background. Um, you, you talk you touched a point called. Um, well, at least I, I phrased it as uh, reactive medicine versus proactive medicine. And um, so as I go through acupuncture school and I've done uh, sports medicine masters, I saw, I've done the Western side and now I'm entering more of the Eastern medicine side of it. Um, and you touched it. You touched the point on it. And it says uh, Western medicine is very, very good at reactive medicine. Like, do you have something going on right now, an emergency, broken bone or whatever it is, something immediately? Uh, Western medicine does a really good job of that. Well, when it comes to like proactive and chronic issues, it's kind of like a shotgun approach and let's see what helps and then let's figure out from there. Um, and I want to hear a little bit more about about that from you as far as like where you saw yourself in that realm and where you see yourself kind of going around there. Right. So, you know, even in medical school, I gravitated towards orthopedics, mm -hmm. specifically uh, trauma. And I actually did do a lot of work in foot and ankle, um, which it was, it, you know, my, my life seems to keep drawing me back to feet for some reason. Like even, even as, even my, my mom always says this, as, a, as a child, I was like, they called me like the shoe kid, okay. right? Like even as a really small kid in like preschool. Um, so I love, I love shoes. I love sneakers. I did, you know, I did orthopedics, foot and ankle, and then the podiatry and we, we'll go into that stuff later. Yeah. But, um, I loved orthopedics and foot and ankle and, and trauma because I saw the value. Like I saw the, the immediate value of it, which was if you break a bone, if I don't fix it, you're going to have a really shitty life ahead. Mm -hmm. Like it's going to be really terrible. Um, and, and it, you know, it's not to say that, that life, life has no meaning after, after, um, a horrific event that leaves you incapacitated, but it's, you know, Freedom is the ability to, to, to be, to, to go wherever you want, whenever you want. And, you know, whenever you inhibit movement, that freedom becomes a really difficult task and one that uh, requires a lot of support, uh, external support. But to be honest, um, medicine is totally, totally 100% failing in chronic uh, care. And it's, I don't think it's the, I don't think the physicians really realize they're just, they, they're just being, they're being indoctrinated by, um, the health systems and the pharma companies. Um, and, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a game, it's a game of, of, of money, mm -hmm. right? Like if you think about yourself as a healthcare provider, health system, or a pharma company, your incentive is to keep people sick. You want, you want people to be unhealthy because that's where you profit. Um, we used to draw this timeline. Um, I have a slide that I use a lot in presentations, sort of a timeline. And if you can imagine it, like on the left, on the far left is your deathbed. Um, and on the far right is like the kind of wellness that you dream about. You, you, you lie somewhere in the middle and the, the healthcare, healthcare's job is to keep you in somewhere between where you are now and your deathbed without killing you because then they don't keep continuing to make any money. Um, and so that's, that's the game they play. And it's so unfortunate that the doctors are caught in the middle of this because you go through this rigorous, crazy, intensive training program, which is medical school and residency. And they indoctrinate you, um, with these ideas that are totally false. Um, but are just so deeply ingrained in the health system today that there's no fighting it, right? Mm -hmm. There's just no fighting. And then there's people like me who are very, very few who leave. And then there are other people who stay and decide to take a different course of medicine, which like functional medicine and, you know, alternative complementary, and other, uh, you know, other such things that don't do so much harm. The thing, the thing, the problem with me is that, that I just, I, the way my personality works, if I'm part of a, a system that, that that is broken, then I just I will feel broken myself, and I won't be able to express the highest version of myself. Um, so I just had to I, I had to to get out because it wasn't I, I knew I was just going to be miserable. And not only that, but 
you know, after you, after you finish residency and all this stuff and you have your, you know, you're out and you're practicing, that's not the end. It's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to pay for continuing education. You have to pay for recertification. Um, you have to pay for all of these things and every dollar, one of the big, um, topics that, that we talk about today is every dollar that you spend is a, is, or invest is a vote that you give, um, whether it's to a, a company or an industry or whatever it is. So I'm, I, I could not find it within myself to continue to pay the board of whatever it is, classic healthcare board, um, to continue to, for them to perpetuate all of the bad things that they're doing, um, in this world. And so that's just my personal, you know, right. So you, again, there was the reactive side, you know, there's things that are, are controlling the sense of, a, of the system and healthcare system that are really making things for, uh, passionate people more so, but people are trying to do, I guess, better, trying to practice in a better way, trying to do things a little bit more, uh, I guess, like you said, alternative, uh, it makes it hard for that, uh, to even be an option sometimes, right? Especially when you, you graduate, you, like you mentioned, you do all this training, you invest all this money, um, and you graduate and you have a loan waiting to be paid, right? It's very hard. It's very hard to. Yeah. So, so every, everybody goes into medicine for the same reason. They want to help mm -hmm. people, right? So you, like, okay, you're, you're a 21 year old, bright eye, bushy tail, like just out of college, you're excited. You got into medicine. You're like, you're, you're exalted by all your peers, right? Every, your family, your friends, everybody's like, oh my God, you're going to medical school. That's amazing. It's so hard to get into medical school and I can't believe it. And you're going to, you're going to save so many people's lives and you're going to, it's going to be amazing. You're going to have a great life. You're going to make so much money. And then, so you have, you get, you're right. You're, you're totally naive. You're young. Everybody around you is like, you know, re giving you positive reinforcement. And then you get to, to so you get in, right? And mo most people aren't like me. Most people don't know, you know, the other options anything about, and no, well, they just don't know anything about healthcare, right? right? I have, I, I have it in my family and I learned a lot about it. And, um, but most people don't know, don't know anything about it at all. And they go in and then you have these people lecturing to you from, a, from textbooks that are created by um, people who profit off this, off of disease. And they're telling you that this is the right way to do things. So you, you accept that this is the right way to do things, but you know, deep down inside in your essence, in your core, you know, that something is not right, but you're down this path and everyone says it's great. And everyone says, you're going to make so much money. It's going to be awesome. You're going to help so many people. So you sort of quiet that down. You, you, you know, you, you sort of like set those thoughts aside, those, the, or those, those internal instincts aside and you just continue to go with it until you're so brainwashed that you think it's real and you know that but that's so so when they talk about the you know how the, the medical school or the medical training sort of beats the the empathy out of you and the emotion out of you that's i think what it really is is that there's such a there, there's a gap between what you thought you were going to do and what you're now actually doing and it just told, it, it turns you into like a robot, into like an emotionless robot. Also, the fact that you see so much crazy shit all the time that like you become immune to blood and guts and stuff. So, so that's, that's the issue um, that's, that I think the healthcare system is facing is that, you know, there's a mismatch between the, the, the desire and the action or the intention and the action. Right. And that creates a, a huge problem. And, um, it's sad, you know, I, I do consulting for, for healthcare systems and healthcare companies. And you just, you know, you see that the culture of healthcare is so ugly, you know, doctors are, are disrespectful to nurses and nurses talk shit about doctors behind their back. And everybody hates the administration because all they care about is money. Yet every, all, all everybody's doing is making the system more money at the end of the day anyway. It's, it's a really, really complex uh, dynamic and culture that's, that's, that's going on today in healthcare. Yeah, um, it's, it's a, a tough situation. It's a really tough situation. I mean, even with the, with the negatives, right, with all the stuff that we hear, um, there are, and there, there, um, I can only assume, and I've met also, there's good practitioners. There are people, even though they're in the system, trying to do the right thing. 
uh, like you mentioned, Jeff, there are still people that kind of finished, right, and kind of paved their own way, whether if it's a functional doctor or whatever it is that they kind of, they pivoted, even though they became still a doctor in a sense or a physician. Let's talk about now, so proactive care. So let's say for whatever reason, you, you finished medical school or even yourself, you jumped out, right? You kind of pivoted, you did something else, but now you're in this proactive space, something of trying to help this person in their journey of wellness. Let, let's go into that a little yeah, more. So- yeah, so you know, I've I've started to build out an offering, which is, I call it, you know, this sustainability advising or consulting or you know wellness advice. It, it's just a term; it doesn't really matter. But what I do is I try to help people figure out how to live their their dream life, and that includes and 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 health is the cornerstone of that, right? If you don't have your health, then you you can't have your dream life. Because and you see it all the time. You see these people who have tons of money and they have everything they want, but they're super unhealthy and they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And and you can't have that. So what I do is I I try to help people figure out how to transition to a a wellness mindset or a, a health mindset, which is totally the opposite of what's going on today in healthcare. It's just they come in because they have a problem. Okay, we have this pill. Here you go. I'll see you next time. We're not. We didn't fix anything. We didn't. You know, we didn't get you thinking differently. It's just, you know, pill. Bye. Uh, so I'll give you an example. Um, I have. There's this guy that I, I go to this place every week, uh, the Russian Turkish bathhouse, mm-hmm. to do my cold plunges and my, and my really, you know, challenge my my body uh, in, in different temperatures, and. The, one of the guys that works there, he's he's really nice guy, but uh, diabetic. He uh, takes insulin every evening, injected. He takes he takes metformin, um, and he was always really closed off to anything that had to do with wellness. And he sort of he sort of like would make jokes about it, and and that that was like his uh, defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. And then one day I went in and, and all of a sudden I, he's, his affect was very different. And he, he started asking me questions about, you know, he, I, one of my big practices is uh, water fast, which I do every month for three days. And he knows this and he started asking me questions. And eventually we got to a, we came up with a plan together of how he was going to try this out. And, um, you know, he calls me two weeks later and he said, says, Jeff, I, I can't believe it. I don't take it. I, I, I did this X, Y, Z with the fasting. Um, and I haven't taken a single shot of insulin or a, a single metformin and my blood sugars are perfect. And I check them and, and you know, we make sure that he's still checking them so, so that we don't uh, get him into, into a problem because obviously, you know, we're experimenting, which is something that we can talk mm-hmm. about later that, you know, life's really one big experiment with yourself, but you know, so this guy, he's now not a diabetic. He doesn't take, has to, he doesn't have to inject himself every day. He doesn't have to inject something foreign into himself every day. He doesn't have to pay to, to, to have access to these things to inject himself every day. He doesn't have to take the metformin pills. He's eating less and he's just all around a happier person. So it's it's incredible that just through a conversation i was able to help him cure his diabetes which is going to save him time uh pain money um it's just it's the most sustainable practice that that you could do so and it's something that no doctor for the last however many years he's had diabetes has been able to do for him and I, I always say that I helped him cure his diabetes because that's all that's all that a healer or a healthcare person should do is help people heal themselves. I, I you can I cannot heal anybody. Mm-hmm. I can only help them heal themselves because it goes back again to what we talked about before. Like you can only convince yourself of anything. And and if that's where that's where the healing happens is when your mindset changes around a given topic. And then, you know, the healing happens in that moment. It's just a matter of time before the actual effect 
takes place. Absolutely. I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I, and I talk about this all the time when I talk to people um, is you're meeting the person halfway and guiding them and facilitating them through whatever process, you know, they want to see through, whether it's, uh, for example, the diabetes, somebody uh, suffering from diabetes, somebody suffering from pain uh, for an ankle issue. Um, and it creates accountability on that person, right? And it's that mindset shift. Because a lot of times, yeah, it's like the saying goes, right? You can bring the horse to the water, but it's up to the horse to drink it, right? Um, exactly. And yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, like if I give you a fish, you'll eat. But if I teach you how to fish, you'll, you'll, you'll eat forever. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's about teaching people how to adopt a, a sort of challenge, excitement around challenge mindset. So, I mean, obviously... For this for this guy it worked and maybe for a lot of people it'll it'll help but like you mentioned i think that the biggest thing was the conversation okay maybe this approach might not help you but there's definitely other alternatives um or maybe even a lower dosage or whatever it is there's always it's, it's opening up the conversation right not just creating a mill of here's this see you later here's this see you later it's more so just like how are you doing you know what are you doing uh to help this circumstance what are you doing that could be better what are we doing that can make it better what's the efficiency side of it rather than just making it a protocol type of thing or making it just like a checking a box you know yeah so 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 one thing that we can all i think we can all agree on is that everybody wants to be healthy out of pain feeling great 100%. right like we can we can we can all accept that now the way to get there is so much more simple than we're than it's being made out to be and there's a reason why it's made to seem complex is because you know everybody wants their industry to seem uh you know to be sort of validated or seem worthwhile right. so they make things really complex but it's really so simple it's so simple because if if we can accept that everybody wants actually wants to be healthy then the way to get them there is really just to facilitate the opening of the conversation, right? And to um, just let, allow people to explore these ideas. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's about just facilitating a conversation. And again, they will convince themselves. They have to piece it together within their own brain around what they need to do. And it's just facilitation. I always, I always say that we're not teaching anybody anything. We're just re- teaching them what they already knew and have maybe um, forgotten right. because health is health is intuitive. Health is instinctual or yeah, yeah absolutely. the body, it's, the body it's knows just, it's something that everybody, the, something that everybody wants. Yeah. The body knows what, I mean, you, you can feel it sometimes too, right? Or a lot of times when you do something good, when you do something bad, when you eat yeah, something I mean, good. I mean, if we talk about physical, if we talk about physical pain, right, which is, I guess it, which is an area that, that, that you work on a mm -hmm. lot. Um, the body doesn't want to be in pain. It's just, we have to figure out what are those, uh, aspects of your current lifestyle that are prohibiting you from, from, from being pain free. Right. And, you know, for, in my session with you the other day, I, you know, I, as I think we can, <laughs> we can agree, my shoulder have, have need a lot of mm -hmm. love and I've, I've sort of been neglecting them. And it's because I haven't really had a conversation with anybody about it. I, I have conversations with myself about it, but I'm so caught up and busy with everything else that I'm doing that I've, I sort of tend to forget. Plus, you know, I do so much work in the lower extremities that my upper bodies kind of gets, gets uh, neglected sometimes. And, and that's what happens is you, I, you fall into pain and you gotta like, you know, constantly work on the whole picture constantly have a conversation about the whole body. Um, and, you know, it's definitely prompted me to focus a lot more on my upper body and give it a lot more love, which is something that I know, but I, I sort of forgot. And I left by the wayside because I have such an intense focus on lower extremities and feet. Absolutely. And that's what most people, right? I mean, for you, the foot and ankle or, or like the projects that you have in place for a lot of people, it's kids, work, um, health, family issues, right? I mean, a lot of times health gets put to the wayside because it's not an immediate uh, attention grabber, right? Because it's, it's usually most people pay attention when it's, I want to say too late, but when it's really bad, 
rather than taking care of it yep. as it goes. Just as they would take care of the bills right before, you know, as you know, every month they're taking care of it. Health should be in the same manner, right? Just as you brush your teeth, take a shower, like t- have a conversation, like you say, Jeff, is have a conversation with yourself. Like, how am I feeling? How am I handling uh, so-and-so-and-so or, or stresses or management or whatever? How am I eating? Like, could I be eating better? Am I making better choices? Or could I be making better choices? And I think this goes right into... Um, Basically, your project, which is the urban, uh, urban, urban barefoot, right? Urban barefoot. Urban yeah. Barefoot, so yeah. let's let's go into that. So if, I can, if I can just go back, let me let me just finish that okay. really quick. So there's there's two pieces. That one is that well, health and wellness need to be the number one priority, like it, the number one priority before anything else. Not that not not that nothing else matters, but it needs to be the number one priority, and that is because you need to take care of yourself in order to take care of other the other people around you and the other tasks and responsibilities that you have. Without your help, you, have, you cannot do the other things. So we all tend to think that our mind and our brain uh, works, operates in like a vacuum where like it's gonna keep working no matter what, but that's absolutely false. And once, once your health goes away and your independence goes away, then it starts affecting your brain power and your capabilities and it's something that that we talk about a lot, right? Like the, the brain was was first uh, created for movement and then every, like movement is the is the main operating system and everything functions after that. So if movement's not working properly, uh, freedom's not working properly, then you cannot, you will not operate at your highest self and you will not be able to do um, what is, you know, what is necessary for others. So when people talk about, you know, being selfish or, you know, it's like when you want, when you want the plane and they, play the video right you put on your mask right. first and then you put on people around you because if you're if you pass out can't help anybody and that's not that's not that's a great point so, no sorry. that's a great point that's a great point um yeah i agree 100 i think it's very important to take care of yourself and again and to go into that also it's as a professional like for example me as a therapist as a, a practitioner if i'm not taking care of myself there's no way i'm going to be able to take care of patients and clients and I'm sure it's the same for you as a coach and as a consultant. If you can't take care of yourself and practice what you preach, it's very hard to to live the message and to be able to perform uh, in the necessities that needs to be made. So I think that's right right on point. So let's go into the the urban barefoot. Talk to me about that and how did that come about? So so that's yeah that's sort of been the most exciting part of my life so far. But it all started. Um, in the in the podiatry business uh, being that i'm a, a wellness person and that i don't you know i'm never satisfied with the status quo especially in healthcare um there was always this need and this desire to seek um what wellness meant in um in podiatry so i would read and i would follow instagram pages and i would you know listen to, to podcasts and audiobooks and eventually the, the story started to piece together until I realized like, holy shit, podiatry is, is being done completely wrong. I used to be the one, the first one that said everybody should have a pair of orthotics, but it's only because that's what I was told, right? By, by, by those around me and by the system. And when I realized that it was totally wrong, I said, wow, okay, we got to start making some changes around here. So I tried to, uh, re-educate the physicians. I tried to uh, adopt a different way of thinking and a different process for for our practice. And out of that, the Urban Barefoot was born. Um, and it was really, it started as a case study around how to apply a barefoot mindset, which is like, you know, the sort of preventative wellness and podiatry mindset um, in a in an urban environment. So in a, in, in a normal city, we're not, ideally we all go like move to the forest and we're barefoot and naked and we run around and have fun in the forest all day, but that's obviously <laughs> not realistic. So how do you apply this? Yeah. How do you apply this barefoot mindset to a built environment, to an urban environment? It just, it was just a case study. it was just me having fun and it just has evolved into an incredible uh, platform for helping people to rebuild relationships with their feet. Um, I 
mainly talk, you know, it's, it's a, it's a natural living conversation, but the feed is, I think the, the feet and footwear is the biggest public health crisis that nobody's talking about. We're being just like the food industry has sold us garbage for the longest time. And now there's a million documentaries about it. And the same thing with tobacco, the same thing with big pharma. Um, the footwear industry is going to see a really big uh, shift uh, in the next few years. And it's, it is only because of people like um, myself, like the Foot Collective, that's a group that I've, I've partnered with ever since. Um, it's gonna, there's gonna be a huge shift and a lot of new and, and interesting information that's, that's not, well, it's not new information, but inf information that's been sort of quieted down for a long time that you can, that's not gonna be able to be quieted for much longer. Um, so eventually I tried to change the, 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 the standard practices in the podiatry business. And I was just, it, I was struggling so much to change the mindset of the physicians that eventually once my brand became big and the messages were, um, were opposing, I, I had to leave. So I sort of, you know, got rid of my piece of the business and I went off on my own. Uh, that was about, that was in, I think March. So it's, it's been about two months. Um, and I, honestly, it's been the best decision that I've made in my life. I was, um, I, I'm just, it, sometimes you got to make a radical move in order to set yourself on the path that you need to be on. And so that, that's urban barefoot right now. Um, you know, I give workshops, seminars, uh, locally in South Florida and also are, you know, doing webinars online and, um, now starting to travel and give these seminars and workshops, uh, around, around the world, um, together with the foot collective, I brought, I had brought them down for their first seminar in South Florida ever in at the beginning of March. And we just clicked, um, Nick, who's the founder and I have an amazing relationship and we both, um, we both have this mindset of money doesn't matter. This, this is not what it's about. We, we are extremely passionate about teaching people a different way of, of living and of health. And we're going to, you know, our goal is to basically, you know, build, foster and connect communities around sustainable living around the world. So where it starts with feet, that's just the beginning. Um, but bear, the barefoot mindset is really just a conversation about natural living, about being more connected with the true human um, experience. I mean, that's you made quite a few pivots, to be honest, Jeff. <laughs> started, started in medical, started in <laughs> consulting, started in um, even when you had your own business, a podiatry business, you said, you know, you're like, you're like, all right, this is not where I want it to be. I'm going to uh, pivot again and figure out what else I want to do, you know, and, and think it takes a lot of, a lot of strength. Um, and I think it takes a lot of courage to be able to even, and awareness, honestly, too, to, to figure that out, to really dig deep and be like, is this where I want to be? Is this is what I want to be doing. Sure. I might be making pretty good money or maybe I'm not, uh, or the experiences that I'm seeing are pretty good, but this is not where I want to be. This doesn't initially connect with me and you pivoted and you, and here you are doing your thing, created your, uh, your own brand called the urban barefoot, um, and spreading and spreading health and wellness, uh, in, in a manner that I technically, I really haven't seen or met. Um, so I think, I think, I think that's really cool. I think, I think, like I said, it takes a lot of courage, takes a lot of strength and a lot of awareness. Um, I mean, if, if, I've always, I've always seen myself as sort of an extreme example of, you know, radical, mm -hmm. um, improvement or self self-improvement. So, so you touched on a couple of things and this might be a really deep rabbit <laughs> hole that we're going to go into, but, um, but life, life is all about constant yeah. transformation, right? Like if you're not, if you're not, um, focused on growth and transformation, then you're stagnant and you're not living right. You're really, you're really not living it. And that's what ends up happening to a lot of people. They just get stuck in these, in this routine and this repetition. And, you know, I was just, I was actually just, uh, I've been reading this book called, uh, mm -hmm. the effective executive right and 
in the effective executive, yeah, in the effective executive towards the end, he talks about the fact that effective executives are always, always, always looking at every sector of the business and asking the question, should we continue doing this, right? Should, is this, is this worthwhile? Are, you know, there's all these, there's in, in businesses, there's all these like legacy products and legacy services that the, the people, like the, the common thing is like, oh, this is, this has been here since the beginning. We have to respect it, right? Like yeah. this is what built our business. We got to respect it. this product is what made us who we are. We have to keep doing it. And the truth is that you don't, because if your goal is to, is to be sustainable and sort of like anti-fragile, right? And to, to, to perpetuate the business and like, right. As a, as a metaphor for yourself to perpetuate that, um, eternally, you have to be constantly, um, shifting, constantly asking the hard questions and making really hard decisions. And I've just, I don't, I don't know why, but I guess I'm just lucky, but I've always had this mindset that I, I need to question everything and I need to go back to the drawing board on a regular basis and ask myself like, is what I'm doing correct? And is what I'm doing, um, what I really need to be doing and what's going to give, what's going to lead me to my best, the best version of myself. Um, and that's, you know, and, and, and I'm very lucky to have a great family that has always supported me and that has, um, allowed me to take a lot of risks. Um, and for that, I'm extremely grateful, you know, going back to me saying that they still don't really like understand what I'm doing, even, even still they're, they're, they're extremely loving. And you know, that, that, uh, that, that, that expression of love goes a really long way, um, for, to help someone grow into what, what they need to, into what they need to be. But, you know, this, so this morning I was actually, uh, we did a little bit of, uh, breathing exercises, yoga and meditation on the beach, um, with, a, with an awesome group of people. And we sat and had a conversation after the fact, and we talked about, um, sort of this feeling of like total acceptance and dropping your ego completely. And that happens like right when you're going to die is like when you get that absolute, like, expression of of connectedness and and oneness um but you can experience those moments throughout your life because at every at well at every moment a little little pieces of you die in order for new pieces of Mm -hmm. you to emerge right and there are moments in life and i'm pretty sure anybody listening to this has has experienced it that you just all of a sudden go, go through a really big life shift where a big piece of you dies and when that happens, you, you feel this, you get this feeling of just acceptance, right? Of, of love and just of oneness. And those, those are the moments, those are the big ones, right? Those are the ones that, that you need to have more of and more consistently because you can't, you can't fill a space that's already taken up by something else, right? So when you, when you let a when you shed a piece of you or when you let a piece of you die, you can replace it with something stronger, something better, something something greater. Um, and that's what it's all about, you know. That's the concept of anti fragility, and I'm not going to go into that. It's a great book, Anti Fragile by Nassim Taleb, which I think every should be a sort of required reading for every <laughs> single human because it is the concept that drives longevity. Um, it's the concept of anti fragility. Um, it's just, you know, it's so important to adopt this mindset that we grow through challenge um, and and discomfort, and we have to be we have to be willing to to seek discomfort and to be excited by it because either life is difficult because you're challenging yourself, or life is difficult because you're not challenging yourself and you're sitting in your comfort zone. Either way, you know, you're gonna be. It's gonna be uncomfortable it's going to be difficult so you might you might as well you know uh acquire the 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 sort of upward absolutely i mean and and uh for the listeners don't worry i'm gonna put this uh in the in the uh podcast note so you guys uh don't get crazy trying to write this down uh so i'm gonna put in the so anti-fragility and then the effect executive um which one should they read first yeah in your opinion 
Oh, well, you know, anti, anti well, so let's, there's two ways to, to look at it. The effective executive okay. is a really short, easy read. Um, anti-fragile is the opposite. It's like a really big, complex book. And, you know, honestly, if you read the first hundred pages of anti-fragile, I think you can understand the concept enough to be okay. fluent in it. Um, but I think anti-fragile is okay. like the essence of life. So I definitely so anti, think that first hundred pages first. is anti-fragile. Okay. And then if you want to continue, continue, but definitely check out the effective executive. I think that's a good, okay. Uh, and I want to touch up on two things. Sorry, go ahead. On my website, I have a resource. On my website, I have a resource okay. of the books that I love. Uh, I'll put that for on movement, um, education, and then also for, yeah, we'll put we'll put life. that on there too for sure, absolutely. And then your Instagram handle, uh, which we'll kind of touch up here in a little bit. Um, I want to touch up on two things before we go, um, and then if you want to add anything else, we'll we'll make sure of that. The first thing is luck. I mean, a lot of people say, man, you're so lucky, right? You hear about the overnight or the 20 year overnight success, right? Or the 10 year overnight success. Luck in reality is where hard work and opportunity meets, right? You can't just have this opportunity and now work for it, right? Or you can't have, uh, it's not like you work hard and all of a sudden uh, things pop up, right? You have to kind of still work for something and, you know, meet different people, make sure that you're paving the way and then opportunity is going to arise. And all the this effort that you put into whatever mission and project that you're you're imploring um, will happen, and that's technically what most people consider as luck. It's not like you're just sitting. It's not like you, Jeff, or just on the on, on the couch and you're like, you know, I want to do consulting and I want to work with feet. <laughs> no, you you went through this whole yeah, process, yeah. right, and pivoted left and right, um, and felt really uncomfortable, like you talked about. And, and sometimes, I think most times, you need to be at that place where you're at your most uncomfortable feeling and sensation, and that's where you really evolve. And I think, you know, you said something about letting go to be able to evolve, right? Where you're almost having a piece of you died for you to be able to kind of, right, to transcend, right? Yeah, so, so if, you think, if, you think about, if you think about, let's say, like a forest, right? Um, in the forest, when a tree falls, there are, first of all, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a big death, right? And that's a big op opportunity for new life to, to spring up behind it stronger, more, um, I don't like to use the word, uh, resilient because I think it's, it's being misused and that's sort of where the anti anti-fragility concept comes in, but then a whole new set of, of plants start to compete to, to reach that, you know, that to fill that void and and many die in the process and that's okay. And that's part of it. That's, that's part of what needs to happen to bring up the most, the strongest and most powerful uh, life force behind it. So the, the, one of the big issues is that us as humans, we, we think that we're so important, like that us as individuals are so important that the world is built for us. And that, and the truth is that we're really, we're, you know, in the grand scheme, we're not, we're not that important. We're part of a greater, um whole we're part of this planet um and all the all the life in the planet and the universe and so you know if 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 we need to die in order for there to be a, a better version of us later that's what it's really all about and so this another big issue with the healthcare system today is that we spend like some like 80 80 90 percent of healthcare spending happens in the last two or three weeks of life or in, on really chronically ill people who we know are not are are not going to make it out and it's just a matter of time and so that's that's one of the big the big issues and something that's causing us as a human race to be extremely fragile is that we are investing way too much of ourselves into um the the sort of like morbidly sick and we spend way, way too much. And that's just a, a factor of our of the mind or the sort of human mind and empathy that's gone into it such an extremely high level that it's become pathological. Uh, but yeah, I mean, to 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 become a a, a better version, you got a challenge. And I completely lost track <laughs> of the other thing we were talking about, which was the whole basis of this entire spiel i just gave yeah so basically it's just finding your way right it's just paving the way and you have to again we talked about luck we talked about being able to evolve oh yeah, yeah. okay so so okay. so so thank you that's so, why they paid me the a big great parts. book called 
yeah, <laughs> there's, there's a great book. It's called The Miracle Equation. Um, the Miracle Equation. What, the, what, what Hal Elrod, the author, is doing in The Miracle Equation is he is demystifying what a miracle is. Because miracles happen all the time, but they're not luck. They're not random. They are the product of, well, first of all, let's define a miracle. A miracle is an outcome that totally exceeds the expectation, mm -hmm. right? Like, that's a miracle. It's not something, it's not something mystical or magical. It's that's, that's what it is. And it is the product of, of extremely hard work and, and unwavering faith. Um, he, so, so you work your ass off and you stay consistent through, through faith and the miracles will happen. Right. And, and it's not because, you know, it's because of exactly that there's there, it's not magical or mystical uh, miracles are real and they happen every day and it's just that people work hard enough to earn it so those overnight successes are only overnight successes because of the last mm -hmm. 10 years behind them they're not you know you only you're, you only hear it only seems like an overnight success because you hadn't heard about that person you know grinding away day in and day out to make this happen, to make it happen is just, you know, that's, they put in that work. And then eventually when they reach a level that it's worth you tuning in and you're like, Oh, wow, this is crazy. It's overnight success. You know, five guys, I think they started five guys started in like the eighties and everyone's like, Whoa, five guys. Oh, they came out of nowhere. Overnight success. No, these people were grinding and busting their ass for, for, forever it seems because you know the 80s seems like forever ago um and there it's there's no there's not a there's, luck plays in to a certain degree but it's really a small small absolutely i mean this ties in with. everything we talked about uh going from med school to pivoting uh going from what else i got here again reactive to proactive uh care right health wellness uh, finding your way. It's all about putting in the work, right? Having the conversation and then uh, that opportunity arising, but you have to put in the work. And, and it's it's great that we're ending with this because like I said, it's connecting every single element that we've been able to talk to. And again, your story, uh, Jeff, um, from the very beginning to where you're at now. Uh, hey, I appreciate it. You, you, you know, you coming on the podcast and uh, sharing with us your story. Yeah, you know, thank you for having me. It, I'm, I still haven't totally pieced together the story that I'm building, but the more I work on this, the more I find that it's all interconnected, which is why I like to work with people uh, holistically, 360, everything from business to to wellness, you know, finance, um, and also uh, you know, giving back to the community and how that plays into the whole thing. But you know, I really thank you for having me on. I really sort of I, I look up to you and your and the, and the content you create because that is these are the platforms that we have to help re remind people about what matters and that's really the goal at the end of the day for for us I, I think we share that goal and just trying to help people become the best versions of their themselves and live their dream yeah. I want to say one more thing um you know I work with with people on this sort of building their dream life or, or sort of, you know, writing it down. And, and there's this concept of there's sort of you here on the left and then your dream life on the far right. And people always think about working towards that dream. And that's, you know, that's a great, that's, you know, that sort of upward motion, becoming better, a better version of yourself. But there's also the ability to pull your dream closer to where you are right now. And what I mean by that is that you can, if you can look at the world around you and appreciate the things that, that you have around you and the opportunities and the, and the people, you can wake up tomorrow and live your dream life, be living your dream life because you realize how lucky you really are. And I want everybody, anybody who's listening to this to, to, to really think about deeply about that and, and, and realize that your dream life you know, you can work towards it, but you can also bring it closer because you can realize how lucky um, That's, we, we all really are. That is perfect. Uh, 
Jeff, where, where can people find more about you, find more information, things that you're up to, any projects? Spill, spill the beans. So the main, the main source, the main source is, is Instagram, uh, the, the Urban Barefoot, uh, B-A-R-E-F-O-O-T. Um, that's where I do most of my communications. Um, I have my website. It's theurbanbarefoot.co, C-O. Um, it's my, the .com is being, is being held hostage. It's a long story. I won't go into it. Um, Facebook, The Urban Barefoot. Um, I just started a YouTube page, also The Urban Barefoot, where I'm doing shoe reviews. That's been a lot of fun. And, you know, you can always find me in any of those in any of those platforms and if you can't find me there hit up andy and absolutely i will uh guys i will like i mentioned i will put this in the podcast info uh description um like i said jeff thank you very much for coming on here i really appreciate you sharing your story and you know sharing your mindset sharing your philosophy sharing what it is that you do and how we are all really trying to evolve so i really appreciate that um for those of you guys listening, uh, thank you very much because without you guys, we would not be able to do what we love to do, which is to help you in um, this podcast and uh, what we do for a daily, daily, uh, basically purpose is to be able to help um, and to be able to serve and to connect. Um, so thank you very much for listening. If you haven't already, go ahead and leave a review, preferably a five-star review um, on any of the, of the um platforms that you may be listening uh apple google uh, podbean podcasts all the casts all the beans any platforms that this thing goes to um but uh, seriously truly thankfully thank you thank you thank you very much jeff i appreciate you guys listening i appreciate you this is connect and move radio signing out hold up